I'm sorry you're seeing so much of me this morning. Dad is at chapel on the government of that. And uh, one of the reasons I didn't get a different someone else to moderate is um, because of the discussion about song books. I decided to just might as well uh, do the moderating also. So uh, here's the message. It comes from First Peter chapter 3. Thank you for the children's class elements. Very nice. First Peter chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to do something I have never done before, and that is preach exactly the same passage that I just finished preaching here a few weeks ago. But slightly different angle. Last time we focused on the issue of adornment. This time we're looking at it from the perspective of husbands and wives and marriage and responsibilities on each side and what Peter expects of husbands and wives. Uh, basically, the way we'll break this down is we'll read these verses, First uh, Peter chapter three, verses one through seven. We didn't look at verse seven last time, so that's one new verse. Uh, we'll, then we'll focus on. Uh, characteristics of an excellent wife, and then we'll talk about uh, what what it means to be an understanding husband. And I could probably use a cup of water at some point. If somebody wants to bring me some, that would be very helpful. All right, first Peter chapter three, I'm going to read verses one through seven. That wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So, let's look at some characteristics of an excellent wife. And before we go to this list, we should remember that these characteristics are the product, first and foremost, are the product of someone who is in a relationship with God and trusts God. You will not be able to experience these in their purest form if you're not in a trusting relationship with God. The more you trust God, husband or wife, the more you trust God, the easier it will be for each of us to uh, be the husband or wife that God intended us to be, to reach our potential. Okay, so here's the, number, the, number, the first item in this list. Characteristics of a wife is that he is submissive. We see this in verses 1 and 5. Peter's been talking about submission. Peter's been talking about submission before this. Thanks, uh, Back in chapter 2, he talked about us needing to be submissive to government authorities. 
Later on, that series talks about those being submissive to masters. Here we talk about wives being submissive to husbands. And uh, in verse 8, which is not in our passage today, he doesn't use the word submission, but that principle undergirds these words. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. All Christians need to learn submission. Here in this passage, he is focusing on wives need to be submissive. Verse 1, wives likewise be submissive. In verse 5, history lesson from Peter, he says, historically, the women who have trusted in God were submissive to their husbands. They accepted God's design for marriage. Uh, and this makes sense. If, if you trust God, if you trust what he says about, uh, if you trust God, you trust what he says about how marriage should work because he is, he is the real expert on marriage. Ephesians 5 says wives should submit to their husbands because the husband is the head of the wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church. And the, and the marriage union, when two become one and, and experience a marriage union, that is sort of like a new creature of its own. And, and most creatures do need a head, and so does a marriage. Peter suggests that the holy women had understood this long before Peter wrote Ephesians. Sarah obeyed Abraham. Possibly more than she should have, and she is held up as a good and holy woman. Being a daughter of Sarah is a distinguished title for any lady to have. An excellent wife is submissive. There aren't any high quality wives out there that are unsubmissive. Husbands can make it extremely hard for wives to be submissive. I, I acknowledge that totally. And often they carry a lot of the blame for an unsubmissive wife. But this passage shows us that having a bad husband, a man disobedient to God, is not an out for being, uh, it does not free a wife from her responsibility to submit. That's what wife is submissive. Next one, wife, and verse 2 is case. That means pure, as case or pure conduct. Uh, all of you wives have imperfect husbands. Even the husband of Peter's wife wasn't perfect. Sometimes when we see our spouse as falls, we, we, I don't know if we think this so clearly, but we we can kind of excuse our own faults and say, well, you know, you're constantly criticizing me, so don't blame me if I have a few well-placed words in response. But what Peter expects from Christian wife, whose husband isn't even a Christian, is pure conduct, not excuses. So that's what wife has faith or pure conduct, even when her husband is imperfect, or worse yet, not even a Christian. Okay, so faith, uh, submissive faith. The third one is respectful, also comes in verse 2, mainly. In the New King James, it says, accompanied by fear. I think that means simply respectful. That's the way it's translated in the American Standard and the English Standard.
burden. And we see in verse 6 that Peter points to Sarah just as an example. And uh, she's a model here. She, she called Abraham Lord. And I don't really want Colleen to start calling me Lord. That would be a little strange. And Peter isn't demanding wives to call their husband Lord. He's just saying, look at Sarah's example. She was, she was respectful of Abraham. She called him Lord. My excellent wife is respectful of her husband in her language and in her behavior, and especially about how she talks about her husband. When she's talking to her husband, I mean, about her husband, to her children, her friends, her parents, she's respectful. Remember to emphasize, try to emphasize your husband's good points. I'm sure you have uh, right on Colleen a little bit here. I overhear her saying nice things about me behind my back to other people. I was talking to a friend on the phone or whatever. It's not because I'm such a great person that you can only think of nice things to say about me. It's because she's respectful. Either that, or she's already asking me to go shopping with her. That's an area in which I need to grow and understand. Even when your husband is not a Christian, or not even a celibate Christian, you, you don't need to run him down or beat him up verbally. It doesn't mean there, there definitely is a place to care and get help if, you're with, if your husband is really struggling. But just be careful and sensitive what you say, who you say it to. This teaching here reminds me of, of a simple truth that we should probably all remember, which is you can you can still you can be respectful of a non-Christian and still feel that it means it's possible to do that because this that's what his wife is doing to her non-Christian husband in this scenario. Nice old wife is respectful of her husband. Even a great husband makes some dumb decisions from time to time. And that's when the wife is still respectful in her feedback. <clears throat> Even when that drain pipe under the sink falls down for the tenth time, still not fixed right. Or there's hair on the floor of the hotel room that he picked. Colleen is better at picking hotels than I am, but hers are more expensive. That's when the wife is respectful. He also has a gentle and quiet spirit, talked about in verse 4. The holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves with this, Peter says, and it's very precious in the sight of God. So there are three pieces to this expression the spirit, the gentle, the quiet, and the spirit. I'll talk about spirit just first, just so we get this clear. Spirit. Talking about something on the inside. And these attributes need to be on the inside, first of all. Uh, these, these attributes, they, again, they come out of the heart of someone who is trusting in God. And someone has pointed out these, a gentle and quiet spirit is not talking about personality traits, it's talking about spirituality, spiritual traits, not personality. So a woman who is very outgoing and talkative, 
can certainly have a gentle and quiet spirit. Doesn't mean she's flawed at all. On the other hand, it's probably fair to guess that a woman who is angrily shouting at her cell phone uh, probably does not have a gentle and quiet spirit, at least not in the moment. So that's the spirit part of this. It's, it's a spiritual trait, not a personality trait. That's not an original thought of me. Gentle, uh, and some of the words we may be more familiar with the word meat here. This is a word that translators have struggled with a bit. Older translations tend to use the word meat. Almost all of the newer ones use the word gentle here. It would be used in verses like, blessed are the meat, or gentle. Take my yoke upon me, for I am meek, or gentle. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble, or gentle, or meek. And Mount of Anadonchi is a different example where that same word is used. My guess is that there are some aspects to the word meek and the word gentle that are probably need to be combined here to, to get the real gist of what Peter is meaning here. Meek carries the connotation of humble surrender, which I think is accurate here. Uh, but it doesn't. It does not mean timid or cowering. A gentle would carry mildness and consideration. So I think all of that is at play here. A woman who is gentle or meek is not quick to argue. She's not aggressive. She's not rough or forceful. Although a gentle and quiet spirit is a forceful presence has an impact. So that's the meaning of gentle. And then let's look at this word quiet. Again, this is not talking about decibel level. It's talking about a spiritual quiet, a settled calmness. One translation uses the word tranquility here. Or tranquil, tranquil spirit. It's a woman who has accepted her role, trust God with her future. Remember, the, the women in this letter were, were facing potential persecution. Next one, life is a gentle and quiet spirit. And then the last point I want to touch on is, is uh, an excellent wife is courageous. I get this out of verse 6, which says, Whose daughter do you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror? What do you think these women were, could have been afraid of? Could be their, for those who had non Christian husbands, it could be, how is he going to relate to me? Could be the neighbors who are Christians. Could be authorities. Were they going to be safe? Do you think Sarah was ever scared about where Abraham was taking her? Probably. How do you not worry about some of these things? That's probably the wrong question. I think we need to relate to worry maybe uh, in the same way that we think we deal with anger. You know, you can't stop yourself from feeling anger. Can't just totally eradicate that emotion from your life, but you can choose not to dwell on it and not to feed it and not to let it control you. And the same thing can be said about worry. It doesn't have to control you. So these, these daughters of Sarah make that choice. 
because they have another focus, trusting in God. Sarah is listed in the faith chapter. says she considered him faithful who had promised. That's in Hebrews 11. And so daughters of Sarah are also holding on to God's promises. So while they're gentle and quiet, they're also courageous. And they don't let fear keep them from doing good, as it says there in verse 6. So, recapping these characteristics of an excellent wife, submissive, respectful, chaste, or pure, gentle and quiet, spirited, I kind of ran it all into one, and courageous. I want to spend a minute thinking about the impact that this kind of wife can have on her husband and her family and others. And I need to be a little careful what I say here because I don't want to give the impression to any young ladies out there who aren't married that it doesn't matter who you marry because that's not true. But a submissive and respectful wife can have a huge impact on a husband who doesn't know Jesus. And, and these verses are an impressive reminder of how much a wife can shape her husband. A submissive, respectful, pure wife can win that man for Jesus. But it's a man. It's, it's not a guarantee. And that's just a thing. It's not a guarantee. So don't decide if you're going to just go marry some guy with obvious flaws because you're pretty sure you can salvage it. It might not work. It might not happen. You don't do that. But an excellent wife does have a huge impact on her husband, whether he's a Christian or not. Husbands who are trying to be obedient to the Word still need godly wives. It also shows us how powerful conduct is without words, even. Uh, Peter says, without a word, no preaching required. You don't need to be killed in, in uh, theology and apologetics and have all the answers to be able to powerfully impact a person for Jesus. Living for Jesus, your conduct is going to have the biggest impact. Proverbs 31 says, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Then later on, toward the end of that passage, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but she has surpassed them all. That's a good phrase for us to keep in mind. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay, let's talk about understanding husbands. Verse 7 says, Husband likewise dwelleth and with understanding, getting on to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, and to be the heirs together of the grace of life that the prayers may not be ended. We're going to kind of take this verse apart a little bit. Dwell with them with understanding. That means live in an understanding way with your spouse. Give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. This is part of living in an understanding way. You understand and honor as being heirs together. So they are heirs with you. They are not spiritual second-class citizens. You have a spiritual inheritance. Your wife does too. 
They're not second-class citizens, spiritually. That your prayer may not be hindered, it says. And so here we have an incentive. There's a risk of prayers being hindered if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way. Now, there's two ways to take what Peter's saying here. And unfortunately, I can't clearly say that he means one way or the other. It would be handier if I could just say this is what he means. So seems to this way. But he could be saying it's important for you to, for you, the, your, the husband and the wife, to be praying together. Your prayers as a husband and a wife together. That's an important thing. And we know there are promises connected to to people agreeing together in prayer and a joint prayer. There are promises connected to that. And so Peter should be saying, you know, that's what I want to be happening. And if you're not an understanding husband, that's going to get in the way of that. So that could be what he means by your prayers. Or he could be saying, you husband, your prayers as a husband. Uh, if you're not living with your wife in an understanding way, not listening to her, maybe God isn't going to listen to you all the time. Maybe your prayers will be less effective. Maybe your prayer life will, will suffer. So there's some different ways to kind of look at what he's saying there. And again, I, I kind of wish it was obvious that it was one or the other. But I, I don't really feel like I can say that. But what we can, what we can take from it is that uh, when a husband does not live in an understanding way with his wife, that home is going to suffer spiritually. The effective prayer is going to be hindered. And so that's a bad thing. Let's not do that. So let's talk about what it means to dwell with your wife in an understanding way. So I'm going to look at two aspects of this. I think there are two aspects. One of them is awareness. And the other is consideration. So living with understanding involves awareness because a, basically a, a clueless husband is not going to be a very good one. You have to be aware of what is going on in your wife's life, what she struggles with, what is important to her, what really bothers her, what her weaknesses are. She's not exactly the same person as you are. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes his gifts. And so the reason we do such a great job of nourishing and cherishing our own bodies is because we're very aware and sensitive to them. Have you ever woken up in the night and realized that you were... You know, your arm was, I don't even know how it happens. But anyway, your arm is asleep. And uh, it's like a wooden club fastened to the end of your elbow and just flopping around and, and you can't feel anything. It feels very strange. And, and one of the things that might occur to you is how easy it would be to hurt your arm in a big way and not even be aware of it. So this is a problem. It's a good thing that's not typically... Um, how things are. So, those nerves in your arm, I don't know what's going on. I'm just assuming the nerves are totally fried or, or something. And, and so, immediately you start working on massaging your arm. If you're like me, you, you start working on this. You want to restore the relationship between 
your body and your arm. I don't know what happens if you would just go back to sleep. I assume it would just rot and fall off. But either way, you can get some porn and say, you know, get circulation back. And pretty soon, you know, this is working good. Like it should. To be able to love your wife as yourself and nourish and cherish her like your own dear skin and bones, you have to be aware of what is going on in her life. And so that takes a lot of give and take and listening and learning and sympathy. Not necessarily things where we husbands are just naturally gifted at. Take some more. Living with understanding involves building and maintaining awareness, and secondly, it involves consideration. So awareness is kind of the groundwork, and consideration maybe is living accordingly. And, and so Peter is, is, he wants more than just a per, per, perceptive person. He doesn't just want a husband who says, oh, I can see he didn't like that. He wants a man who, who understands what his wife is going through and then lives accordingly. So this boils down to consideration, which is a word that sometimes we can use here instead of understanding consideration. It's living out this command. It basically means living out this command, let nothing be done for selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others. Better than himself. That's consideration. And so part of part of that for us husbands is is to be sensitive about what bothers her and, and try not to do that. There's probably there's probably always going to be something that our wife is just going to have to accept. And some things that we as husbands are just going to have to accept about. A wife. One of the, but it's also more than just that. It's also understanding her vulnerabilities and stepping up as a shield and, and a protector. One of the things Peter wants us to consider is the thing he refers to as the weaker vessel. And there's some discussion about what exactly this means. It kind of hinges on, on what the word vessel means in this verse. He could be vessel could just mean body, so he could just be saying physically speaking she's weaker, and that could be all that he means. The word vessel is used in some other ways that could have other meanings also. So it wouldn't have to just mean uh, physical weakness here. He may be referring to uh, emotional vulnerability. Uh, maybe he's thinking of the fact that the woman has less authority. She's supposed to be submissive and. and that could feel vulnerable. So that a wife is vulnerable in ways that husband isn't. And we've been speaking in terms of generalities. I, I know of one couple where the husband said that uh, after they got married, she could still beat him in armor. So maybe these things like these aren't 100% across the board. Each of us have our strengths and weaknesses. But husbands need to consider. What, what it takes to make her feel secure, uh, protected, and safe. And, and so instead of looking down on her and, and uh, 
and wish that you didn't feel vulnerable or ignore even. You, we need to give her honor for who she is and the role she plays in the home. After all, you did ask her to marry you, right? It wasn't the other way around. So we need to give them honor, incredibly important, obviously. I mean, can't even put it into words. But you should try to anyway. Tell her how valuable she is to you and to your household. So live with. Living with understanding involves awareness and consideration and giving her honor. So here's some hindrances to being an understanding husband. Here's some hindrances. I just picked out a few. So you may have a better list than I have. One hindrance is assuming everything is fine. I think we are tendency uh, as husbands we tend to operate on the no news is good news principle. So we are very busy and we're moving around from one task to the next, one project to the next, not talking much, and we're very busy. And we're just assuming everything is fine. Well, I bet it's not. Slow down and check in because all this time your wife has been assuming you know what's going on because you can read her mind. And you just don't care. And you can't read your mind, of course. So you need to talk. You need to, you need to talk and, and uh, don't just assume everything is fine. Communicate. That's one hindrance. That is something that's a hindrance. Another, another hindrance is allowing a wall to, to grow between you and her. Whatever it is, it could be just a misunderstanding. You could have offended her. She could have offended you. Maybe you committed a sin that needs to be repented and confessed that. Don't let a wall. That can turn into a wall, don't let it be. Gary Chapman, I think it was in, I think the name of the book is The Marriage of Boys Wanted, something like that. He talks about how husbands and wives can have this wall between them and how devastating it is to a marriage. It's, it's so far from being what God intends. God wants your marriage to, to model Christ and the church not Berlin and the Cold War. And we need to take that wall down through humility, confession, and repentance. A third, a third hindrance, I think, to being an understanding husband is being authoritarian and micromanaging and, and just overbearing and heavy-handed. You don't need to do that to be, the, to be a good leader. Spiritual leadership doesn't require you to be um, heavy-handed and authoritarian. I don't think the husband in Proverbs 31 was a micromanager. Take a look at that passage, and I think you'll see that he, he let her make a lot of decisions. Another hindrance is wishing she was different. So instead of giving her the honor she deserves, you just wish you were tougher or more capable or less stressed out or just happier. And so complaining about these things probably is not going to be helpful. And it may lead to a hindered prayer life. So it would be much better to 
the best way to help her is, is just to be yourself, the kind of husband she needs you to be. That's the best way to bring out the best in her. There's, there is a place for constructive criticism. Each spouse needs to hear some constructive criticism from the other one. But if it happens when she knows that you're serious about being a good husband and you're working on your own problems, and you also are open about them. So focus on her good points and honor her. Those are some. Those are just wishing she was different is another example of a hindrance, I think, to being an understanding husband. Okay, so in conclusion, an excellent wife is submissive, she is faith, she is respectful, courageous, she has a gentle and quiet spirit. And if this excellent wife has an unsafe husband, he has the world's best missionary on his case. A good husband, on the other hand, is understanding and considerate and wife-honoring, and the prayer life in that home is not hindered, but it is effective. And so in, in this marriage, when we trust God and accept our roles and our responsibilities, and keep uh, trying to grow out to our fullest potential, whatever, whether we're husband or wife, uh, this marriage becomes a, a tremendous source of glory to God. And the children benefit, and the church benefits, and the lost are impressed.